0: Hi, I'm Steve Addison, and this is The Movement's Podcast. This is a podcast for people who want to multiply disciple-making groups and churches everywhere. Today I'm talking to Ray Vaughan from Columbia, South Carolina, and he tells the story of how he's making disciples and training others to do the same. I hope you enjoy the podcast. How did you get started in uh, making disciples? You know, when I became a believer,
1: I I got saved when I was in jail. I was 16 years old, and uh, somebody handed me a Bible once, and I didn't know anything about God. I was very far from the Lord, and I didn't grow up in a Christian home at all. I was unchurched, and um, but somebody handed me a Bible, and I just started reading stories about Jesus, and as 16 years old. I was in jail for the eighth time, and, and God just really showed me that He loved me and cared for me. and. Um, and so I began praying to him and, and I just felt for the first time loved and received and cherished. And, and, uh, and since then he's always kind of given me a passion, um, to share my story and, and to, uh, to share about him. And, um, I was filled with a lot of passion, but didn't know really how to, uh, to go about making disciples or what that actually looked like. Um, and, uh, I even went to, uh, to, uh, to a Bible college in the end. But even after Bible college, I learned a lot of great things about the Bible. I learned a lot of great things, but in the end, I still wasn't really sure how do I lead people in making disciples? Practically, I had a lot of, um, passion to share it from a a stage or from a pulpit or, Hmm. um, I had a lot of, uh, um, desire inside me to make disciples and to see the world reach but in the end i would i would communicate it but i would leave people frustrated and not really teaching them how to do it practically so
0: and so, so right yeah i was just gonna how, how did you bridge that um yeah. that gap between you know desire and practically making it happen well the passion was important for me that i had
1: that because it opened me up to other possibilities um i was willing to kind of do whatever it is that that worked and that really, um, would bear fruit. And so I got kind of started learning about some things that were happening overseas in China and India and, uh, other parts of the world. And I, I started getting really amazed at this idea of, you know, people are making disciples and churches are starting daily over there. And I just wasn't seeing that where I live at. And, And so is there some type of, um, uh, misunderstanding of what we're doing or what I'm doing? And so, it just caused some questions. And of course, there was uh, a, a, a book called "T for T: um, Training for Trainers." And uh, it was really just a, a process that was happening overseas that's very scriptural, straight from from the Word. And as I, uh, they came to um, Wheaton, uh, Illinois, for the first training in America for some of the stuff that was happening. And I was privileged to get to go to it. And it really, for the first time ever, I just saw um uh the exact tools and the exact principles of of everything that my passion was for like I, I finally felt like I had I, I finally felt like I had been equipped myself to actually make disciples and not only make them but teach other people to do it as well
0: okay so you had knowledge you had passion you had a call, but the missing piece was just... The practicals of, of how do we get started in making disciples, yeah. and so yeah, y- Yin Kai I- and Steve Smith at, at who visited Wheaton that uh, yeah, in the late- that was that was the
1: start of it. Um, that got that sparked my interest. It gave me a a basic understanding of thinking of okay, well, what does a process look like? What about reproducibility? It started causing me to think about all these things I had never thought about. And it really wasn't until I began getting mentored and coached personally by Jeff Sundell, who is a, uh, a practitioner in India and Nepal and, and uh, various other places in Southeast Asia. And um, he was living in North Carolina and, and, and beginning to practice some of these things in the States. And so I would drive up. I spent time with him. He would come down, spend some time with me. And it just really didn't take long. I was like a sponge for the first time. I felt like I was... Uh, a child again, just willing to learn off of everything, anything. And, uh, and everything that he said, I felt like I was able to reproduce. And I began reproducing it. And I began seeing fruit in my ministry as a result of it. Ray, um,
0: okay. right. tell, tell so it us the story start. of, of uh, you know, some of those early breakthroughs where you began to sort of not just have the knowledge and the passion, but you began to see lives touched by the gospel and disciples made
1: yeah well in the to begin with when I would make disciples it was the typical let's meet for coffee and and get together and and uh, if prayer seemed to be the topic of discussion I would literally sit them down and I would fire hose an hour of my uh, understanding of prayer and and ideas of prayer and scriptural references of prayer at them with just the smallest hope that they would be able to even take one or two of those things and with them, you know, that it might've changed their life. But it never had I ever thought about, well, not only do I want their life to be changed, but I want them to be able to, to take what's told, taught to them and teach it to others. And, uh, and so when I began learning that, I started thinking about how less is more, um, simple, is, uh, is better not only for me, but for those that I'm training and teaching. Um, it helps create an environment of, uh, of, um, of practice. It helps create an environment of, uh, um, comfortability where people can practice certain things and take certain things and and reproduce them. And it helps also create an environment of confidence because you're teaching less versus overloading them with certain things. And so, uh, one particular example of that would be, um, you know, one guy just recently, actually, I uh, I met him and he uh, he was church going uh, most of his life. And I never asked him, I said, hey, has anyone ever taught you how to share God's story? And he said, no, he didn't know any way to share God's story. So I pulled out a little note card, three by five note card, and I just said, can I show you real quick? And I drew out God's story to him. I tried to keep it as simple as I possibly could. Um, with few words as I possibly could that fully communicates the gospel of Jesus. And, uh, and he was just blown away by the simplicity of that. I was able to share the gospel in under a minute with him very clearly and effectively and even invite him to follow the Lord. Um, but, as a result, he took that, and I began teaching him how to do it and then, as a result, he was able to teach others in less than thirty minutes and He just was amazed at that actually handed me a twenty dollar bill and said, "You need to buy more note cards and share this with more people." So it was really great okay.
0: <laughs> all right and um how how did how has it gone? you know I, I know a lot of the stories uh, talk about you going into a unreached community, connecting with people, right. sharing doing Discovery Bible Study, what does that look like? Tell us, Give us some examples of, of what you do day to day. Yeah, well, one, it's said that,
1: um, you know, there's there's many, many people in our culture specifically that will, you know, they're invitable, they'll come to church, but even more so, they said to be about 60% of people that have made it up in their mind, of those that are far from God, who, for whatever reason, will never step foot in a church door. Uh, They won't come to church. They won't, even if they're invited, um, they might have preconceived ideas of church. They might have been hurt by the church. They might just have no idea of really what church is and and don't even care about church. But they, um, uh, so whatever reason, they're just, they're not going to come. And they've been invited to church. That's one of the things that we found out is that they're definitely being invited to church. But they're not being invited to, to know about Jesus. And so the idea of what we've been doing is, what does it look like to go to them, not to invite them to our church, but to come in the name of Jesus and to invite them to Jesus and help them get to know Jesus where they're comfortable, in their home, they can invite their friends, their family, the people that they already know. Um, instead of encouraging them to take on the uncomfortability and coming to an environment where I'm comfortable, why not we as believers go take on the uncomfortability to people where they can be comfortable to hear about Christ and and the gospel. And so as a result, we see in Matthew 10 and Luke 10 to go out two by two. Jesus just clearly models this in scripture. He sends them out two by two, um, and he sends them out into the community to prepare the way for his coming, because if he's saying, these are the places that I'm going to go, and he wants them to look at and look for specifically people of peace and, and this idea of people that are spiritually open. Uh, to the gospel. So they might just be receptive. So that's um, scripturally, that's really what we're doing. Practically, I, I pair up with somebody always. I try never to go alone. And I just go into an apartment complex. Um, it could be a neighborhood, particularly it's, it's apartment complexes. And I uh, just pair up two by two. and We go out and we just pray uh, constantly. We're just praying. If we're not talking to anybody, we're praying. So it's a win-win situation, regardless of that fruit in the end. Um, and we're just praying for the Lord to work in people's hearts,
0: to, to open up
1: homes and doors. But the, the idea is no matter who we see, we've made a commitment. No matter who we see, we're going to ask if we can pray for them. So mm-hmm. none of this, I'm going to, you know, they look busy. They look angry. This person looks like they can, you know, beat me up with one one punch. You know, like, I, it's none of this, I like, me judging and, and perceiving who's open and who's not, we're going to ask anybody and everybody if we can just pray for them. And most people are pretty open to that in prayer. And, and so that's my first question. I just say, can I pray for you for anything? And we get to pray for them. And and uh, and, and usually it's awkward to not follow up prayer with a, another question or some type of spiritual question. So we just get to ask right away. I just say, hey, you know, let's pray for you. I appreciate it. I'm just curious. Are you far near to God?
0: And I just let them tell me their story. Where are they at? Okay. The good thing so about, just pick yeah. that up again. Uh, you pray for them. And then a follow-up question is, are you near or are you far from God?
1: That's it. That's it. And I always – I model that same three – there's three questions that I do. The first one is, can I pray for you? The second one is, are you far near to God? And I let them tell me their story. Um, And uh, the good thing about that question is that it's very – it's not as threatening, especially in the South. Everyone here in in South Carolina – Columbia is where I'm from – Everyone here thinks that they are uh, a believer or saved or mm. you know in a right relationship mm. with God, mostly because they might have grown up in church, they might have walked down the aisle once they might have been baptized as a kid or said a prayer but uh, but they they 're not afraid those pe- same people that think that they're near or a uh, believer are not afraid to tell me that they 're far from God mm. and uh, that near or far question is more of a relational term too, so it helps me get an idea of are they relationally connected to God. Mm. And uh and they're not afraid to say I'm far from God or I'm not where I want to be, or I'm I'm in the middle. And as a result, it just helps me know where they're at. And then the third question is, so can I pray for you? Are you far near to God? And then lastly I ask, well, if you have a minute, can I please share with you a quick picture about how to be near to God? Mm. And uh and then usually I draw that take out a three by five note card and I just draw out the gospel him very effectively, very clearly. And uh, and I always ask them, of course, what's keeping them from being. Well, I always ask them if that makes sense, and then it, what's keeping them from being near to God today?
0: Okay. Uh, and uh, on the card is that uh, what sort of illustration is? That? Is that the bridge illustration? It's a bridge meshed with the Romans
1: Road type okay. thing. So I just yeah. I paraphrase four verses: the Romans Road, Romans three twenty three, Romans six twenty three. Romans 5.8, Romans 10.9, and I just paraphrase those sentences using a, a brief bridge illustration to help them visually see uh, the disconnect and then those that are far near to God.
0: Mm. Okay. Yeah. Then what happens next?
1: Yeah, well, if, of course, you know, people can answer in different um, different ways. And the whole idea of these questions, the whole idea of prayer walking is really filtering, um, it's the idea of just, we're just, again, the, our only responsibility is just to find, to, uh, to seek, uh, those that are, that are already open to God, that are just spiritually open, they're hungry, there's, the Spirit of God is already working in their lives and their heart. And so that's really, and it really relieves the pressure, because in the end, we're just looking for open people. And, um, and so of course, if they let us pray for them, it tells me, okay, they might be a little bit more open. If they answer the question about their farness and nearness to God, they might be a little bit more open. If they let me share with them about the gospel, they might be a little bit more open. And then of course, in the end, I always invite them to, uh, if they're not ready to receive Christ, I invite them to, um, if they were open, I always remind them, I'm not going to invite you to my church, but if you're open, would you be willing for me to come back and meet with you in a time, uh, in your home that would be open for, um, or just, sorry, if, if you are open, would you be willing for me to come back and meet with you to look at another a story in the Bible about somebody who is far from God and how they become near to God? Okay. And hmm. I just want to start taking them to stories about Jesus um, and specifically people's interaction with Jesus uh, who were once far and how they became near. If they can set up a time, I immediately start thinking, and this is where I'm getting a little bit more detailed at. Is okay. I want to know if they say they're open to it. I want to immediately capitalize, okay, when can we meet? Uh, Where can we meet? Who can you invite? What time's best? And I want to find out as detailed as possible um, because I don't want them to – sometimes people can just throw out a day, yeah, let's get together, and they never make an appointment to get together. Um, Or I usually like to do it near the homes because this way I get to know where they live and uh, and this helps me to just feel like, okay, well, I'm going to come back. I know exactly where to find you. I know exactly how to come to you. And, uh, and again, we're trying to relieve them of the inconvenience of having to meet me somewhere, to do something. We will come to your home,
0: and we'll be the church and bring the church to you. And you, uh, you typically, you might have met an individual, and if they have a partner or a husband or a wife. um yeah they're gonna more likely to be in the loop if it's in the home. That's right. But if you meet with them for coffee somewhere, typically they're not gonna drag their, their partner or their wife That's out right. to that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you get to meet their
1: kids, you can mm. meet their and, and particularly too if you have some more ethnic or ethnic people that you're reaching out to that I find is, is they're already really so relationally connected that when you enter into their home, they'll gather their whole family to sit on the floor and just listen to you tell a story and talk, let you share with them, and and they'll even participate with it as well. Our postmodern culture may be a little bit different. I've been in several homes where they might have a friend uh, or a roommate that's in their room, but they're still willing to sit and meet with us, and it can be sometimes scattered. But what I do find is when we're allowed in their home, usually most often – even if the other people don't readily come right away to the Bible study or to, to meet for studying the Word, usually they're touched with the gospel just from that point of just us being in the home. Mm. That even in a couple weeks, usually we'll find that they'll sit down and join us for at least you know a few minutes, and then maybe they'll sit down a little longer next time because they're starting to bridge open the opportunity, um, and they start to usually come in and be a part
0: of it. What as happens well. if if uh Somebody right there on the street you you work through a gospel outline on the on the on the card, and they give their life to christ uh, amen what 's the next step all yeah. right
1: well we celebrate we praise God for that and uh, of course my my desire isn 't for a prayer conversion my desire isn 't for any type of uh, of of brief emotional response. I don't want any of that stuff. What I really want to see is people genuinely taking steps to live a life near to God through Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. And uh, so as a result, I remind them that's great. Still, I don't want you to feel like I'm not trying to get you to come to my church, but if being near to God is important to you, which it sounds like through this, this commitment it is, then we need to, sometimes it's easier to learn more about God and learning how to be near to God. If you, uh, if we meet together with just a few other people, so would you be willing for us to continue to come back to your home? When's a good time for you? We'd love to share with you about some basic ways to be near to God and basic steps to live a life near to God. Okay. And uh, and then, of course, we take them through some basic stories that illustrate that.
0: Yeah. And um, have you got a story of someone you met, just like you've described, and it sort of then went into their home, and 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 others got involved. Can you just sort of give us an example of what it's looked like?
1: Yeah, I um, well, one would be a uh, a story about a uh, a young guy who I met walking, per walking in the apartment complex, and he uh, he was very far from the Lord. He was smoking pot and uh, and just drinking. He was a little younger. Um, he's in his twenties and he um, he was just walking his dog, and, and I was with another brother of mine, and we were just walking and praying for the neighborhood, and we came up to him, and, and again, we just said, hey, we just want to pray for you. Could we pray for you for anything? And he let us pray for him, and he we asked him if he was far near to God. He said he was pretty far from the Lord, and uh, he didn't grow up in church at all. He was really unchurched, and Um, he was actually formerly in a gang where he used to live and they moved here and then just got plugged in trying to do something, uh, live a lifestyle differently. But, uh, but he was still very far from the Lord in every way possible that you can think of. Um, and I asked him if, you know, if, if you were willing, can I just show you a brief picture about how to be near to God? And he said, sure. So I got to draw out again, the gospel for him very clearly. And I asked him, have you ever seen this before? He says, no, he's never seen this. I said, well, does it make sense? He said, Yeah. I said, "Well, what's stopping you from from being near to God then today? If this makes sense," and he says, "Well, I just I really don't have the the faith right now to do that." I said, "All right. Well, would you ever be open to to meet together and just maybe study another story about how to be near to God?" They said, "Sure." So we met the next day. I said, "Well, can we meet tomorrow?" And he said, "Sure." So I came back the next day with another friend of mine, and uh, back to his home or. Well, so we came, we came, actually, we came right outside his doorstep. We met on a, uh, another doorstep outside his home. He wasn't ready to invite us into his home. Yeah. So we met outside. Um, but we kind of, we knew exactly where he was at, where he lived. And so we decided to, he just kind of met with us outside his home. Um, and, uh, and of course, we just began telling a story. I just told him a story about a sinful woman who had this jar of perfume, broke it open, poured it over Jesus' feet. Um, I, I just told a story and I even encouraged him to retell it just to kind of have him interact with the word in a way that he's never done. Um, asked him some basic questions and I said, you know, what's something that you learn about, about Jesus or this woman? And he said, one thing that he learned about the woman is that he really admired her faith, that he would just be, she would be willing to lay it all aside and, and, and be at Jesus' feet. And he said he really wanted to have faith like this woman. Mm. And I said, well, you can do that. Um, and I just showed him I showed him that the woman went to Jesus, just like it would take you to have faith, like the woman would be, just be come to Jesus, just to come to Jesus. And, uh, and he decided to do that. And he said, okay, so we wanted to pray and he received Christ and, um, into his heart. And of course my biggest thing there isn't to, uh, to again, take him out of out and just start coming with me to church. I said, well, I want to meet with you again. And so I met with him the next day. Mm. Um, and, uh, I began just talking to him about, um what it means to uh to turn from sin essentially how to turn from sin just through a, a small bible story as well and and uh taught him about sin and letting it go turning from it picking up trusting and obeying jesus and and learning what to allow that to be a, a lifestyle yeah. what story did you use I, yeah i used the story of zacchaeus yeah. as an example okay uh he came down the tree, decided to give back all his possessions away, uh, half of his possessions away, and give back four times as much if he ever got caught defrauding people again. Mm. Um, and and I even had him try to reteach me the, the way that I, I, I demonstrated the turning from sin, and, mm. and he was able to fumble through, it and he was learning. And uh, I've went through that story twice with him because I just want to make sure he knows it. That's one thing with him is I'm not trying to take him through a curriculum. I'm trying to really help him know the basics of, of Christ and the foundations of the faith. And he's learning it now in a way that he could possibly be able to teach others. Well, I'll fast forward a bit. I start, mm-hmm. I continue to meet with him and, uh, I ended up prayer walking in the apartment p- complex again. And at this point, because I've been coming to, to him regularly, his mom, uh, ends up seeing us regularly cause he lives with his mom. So she comes out and we get to pray for her on a regular basis now and she's even sat down once on a bible study um in the home his brother now mm-hmm. we've gotten to pray for him and another the one of the most encouraging times was just uh, maybe a couple months ago i was out prayer walking and i saw these these guys they were just sitting on the street smoking and and uh in the same complex and i said hey are you far near to god can i pray or, or can i pray for you are you far near to god can i show you how to be near to god and then i asked them if they would ever be open for scripture or for the study I drew out the gospel for them, and I got to invite them all to, to, if they were open, to study the Word together. But they had already said that their friend, the guy that I had been meeting with, had already invited them all to the Bible study and to uh, study God's Word. And so that was kind of neat because it shows you that my friend that uh, we've been meeting with, he uh, already, by God's just spirit in him, working in his heart, has just been sharing with his friends, inviting them to, to come hear about what God's been doing in his life. And so that's kind of been an encouraging story. Yeah, and that's
0: still in process.
1: Yeah, we are still meeting regularly. We, uh, uh, I shift now to he's this really big workout guy. He, he can lift and bench press, probably me and you combined. And so I work out with him about one day a week, and, and, and then I meet with him for a, a Bible study as well in his home. So it's been pretty neat.
0: And what's the end game there, Ray? What, what do you want to see happen? for this well, young man well, the, and his friends and family members. Well, I would love to see a, a small church get
1: started there um, with the, him and his oikos or his sphere of influence and the people that he knows. Um, he's already comfortable with them. Um, you know, he, uh, he, he just is not in any way um, excited about the idea of church, but he gets to connect with the Lord in, in so many ways when we just meet regularly together. And um, and he's already invited some of his friends to come for the study. And, and so we've been able to see God beginning to work through him and even starting to touch the lives of others. But we're really excited about my end game would be to see this guy, young man, becoming trained and equipped to share his story, to share God's story, to even be able to, to facilitate these studies in such a way that he doesn't even need me to be there. He can just take them to his friends.
0: Ray, when we were getting ready for the interviews, one, one of the things you mentioned is you, you could go out most days and find someone who is willing for you to come to their home and do Discovery Bible study and learn more about following Jesus. And you mm-hmm. were saying, yes, but mm-hmm. there's a limit how many nights and afternoons you've got. So mm-hmm. how, do you, how are you seeing God take this uh, through you to mobilize others. What's what's happening in that that area? Yeah. Well, I think that some of the tools that we've been
1: using are really there are really five tools, and and it, it just helps create a process, and it's very transferable and easy to reteach other people. And the first one, of course, is you want to teach everybody God's story, or their story. You know, uh, if you have um, if you if you are a pulse, and you if you have a pulse, and And, uh, and, and you have, uh, received Christ, you have a story to tell, you know? And so we want to encourage every, every believer, uh, young and old to to just know their story and not know it over an hour long coffee break, but know how to tell it in just a minute or two minutes and, uh, just help people refine it, learn it, just be able to tell a story. And, and what that does is again, when we tell our our stories, it just becomes a, a seed that we're throwing out again, just to find openness. You know, I once met a guy named Jonathan and, and I, I shook his hand, just met him, and, and of course when you first meet somebody, what do you do? Well, you just you know where are you from? Where you know what do you do? And, and he was like, well, where are you from? And I just immediately just told him my story. Well, I'm from Chicago, but you know when I lived in Chicago, I was very I just made a lot of poor choices. I was in and out of jail. I was addicted to, to many drugs and heroin and cocaine and alcohol and pot and. And, uh, and and you know, one time I was in jail, I was there for the eighth time, somebody handed me a Bible, and God just completely changed me as a result of that. I began reading stories about Jesus, learned of his love, and, and I just said it just a quick minute, uh, told him my story. And, uh, and then since then, of course, God has never left me. He's been with me ever since, and I know that I, I get to live a life near to God now. And uh, he was just amazed. He didn't expect that wow, you know, it sounds like God's done a lot in your life. Well, I just got to ask Jonathan, has he done, ever done anything like that in your life? And he said, no. And I said, well, would you ever be open to to, to meet together and learn about uh, some stories about people who are far from God and how they became near to God? And he said, sure. So we began meeting for about six months we met and uh, just continued to, to, to get him into the Word. So, so we one, our one stories, of the things
0: you do is you, you teach new believers, exist anyone, any believer with a pulse, you want yes. to teach them how to share their story. Anyway. And, and from what you've said, then, how to bridge into something, a gospel presentation or, right. or a discovery Bible study. Right. And what are some of the other, you said there's five things. What are the other yeah, four?
1: The the first one, of course, is our story, and the second one is God's story. So we want to make sure we teach every person uh, one method to, to, to share God's story. Now, again, there's thousands of resources out there, but um, one of the things I'm learning is that if I... Give, uh, somebody 10 resources, uh, chances are they don't, they don't use any of them and they're not confident in any of them. And, uh, but if I give them one resource and expect obedience, there's a greater likelihood of them learning it, knowing it, and even obeying it. So I just want to teach everybody one simple way to share God's story and encourage them to, to reproduce that and hold them accountable to do that. And then, of course, discovery Bible study tool, um, just helping them, every believer know a simple way to take people to the word. Um, because we know if we share our story, God's story, some people aren't ready to receive Christ, but they're still spiritually open to learn about Christ. And so we want to help every believer feel like they can competently and confidently take people to the word of God. You know, Hebrews 4.12 says that the word is alive and active. And and if that's true, then we just need to take people to the word more and uh, trust that God will be the one to change hearts and move people. And then, of course, we share our story, God's story, discovery, Bible studies. We know that people will believe. It's just evident. If we're faithful to sow, we'll be faithful to reap. And so, then the question is, how do we disciple? So, I want to teach every believer a short-term discipleship tool. Think basic. I use eight spiritual how-to's, or just eight, um, eight basics, if you will, of just uh, you know eight commands of Christ. Uh, just helping every new believer, new person in Christ, just how to walk and know the Lord, how to turn from sin, how to walk with God, how to pray, how to share, how to love, how to be filled with the Spirit. Um, and, uh, and how to baptize others and how to teach God's Word, of course. And then lastly is how to walk long-term with people. I want to teach everybody a long-term tool that will help mobilize them to not just, again, taking people through a curriculum but helping people really know these basic tools and then help coaching them, of course, to reproducing them and then help guiding them towards extra... Um, uh, guiding them towards extra uh, knowledge in the scriptures and helping them become a self-feeder in the word and and through an inductive study and and helping them build more of a a confidence of God's word altogether uh, versus just some small stories. And so those are the basic tools that I'm learning is that every believer should be able to do that, every believer. And uh, and it hurts my heart in a lot of ways to think that those things can only be done by a few people. Um, so that's one of the things that I'm challenged by and what I, where I see this going, especially here in Columbia, South Carolina is, is, uh, I know I can get into homes and and that's, and I also know that there's thousands of people that are open, ready for, for scripture and for Bible study in their homes and for churches to be started in their homes. But, uh, but we just don't have enough people willing to do it, uh, or, or know how to do it, let alone. And so I just want to find as many people as I can, traditional church or not, um, high church or not, just anybody, anybody that uh, is spirit led and and, and completely willing to be used by God for his glory. And just teach them these basic tools, walk alongside them, coach them, help them start these groups. And even better yet, help those people start a group and then help coach those people uh, and those groups that they're leading to start groups. Because I don't want them to think one generation. I want them to think Four generations and beyond. Um, what do you mean by four generations? Well, yeah. If if I um, you know Second Timothy two two, Paul says uh, these things that you have heard me share, um, speaking to Timothy, teach to faithful men who will be able to teach others. There's this idea of passing along the faith, passing along these basic truths. And, uh, and just as a result, I want to see, um, somebody come and, and share with their neighbor and their coworker, their friend and lead them to the Lord and be able to, to take them through the basics of Christ and, and the faith and, and then hold them accountable to do the same. So that they too will be able to, to share with their friends and family and coworkers. And then of course, on and on, um, to where you're seeing first, second, third, fourth generations of believers, um, and, uh, and there's a healthy expectation in scripture. I've been constantly kind of having this more nourished in my heart uh, lately. In, in Hebrews, even 5 11 and 12 through 6 2, you see the author of Hebrews clearly communicates very clearly um, by now you should be teachers of these basic principles. There's an expectation that whoever he's talking to should be teachers, should be uh, doers and facilitators of basics. And so I've been constantly convicted about how do we mobilize more and more believers to be truly confident and competent doers and proud uh, teachers of just Christ's basics and just giving them away um, to see generational growth and beyond.
0: Well, Ray, you've you've helped us see see it very clearly today. today. Uh, I think that's... uh, I've been so encouraged by our time together. One, because you're, you're a guy out doing it. Uh, mm-hmm. But the other thing is I think you've, you've given us real clarity about what it looks like to find those persons of peace, to go into an unreached neighborhood. Uh, and those skills are also transferable to reaching our friends and family, people who are you know, in our relational world. And so what we're going to do is we'll um, post some some links uh, on the blog uh, with the podcast so people can access um, some of your training materials or even get in touch with you and uh, ask questions or seek out some training in in their part of the world. So just want to say thanks so much for sharing with us and uh, really look forward to hearing what God continues to do. Amen. Thank you.